Nick, I don't really know how I'm supposed to start MFM Fellowship without knowing how to ultrasound. I don't know if I'm ready for that either, but I've found a great resource through the OBG project. They've started up a second trimester ultrasound atlas where at least you can take a look and figure out if what you're looking at is normal or not normal. You can get access to this atlas of second trimester ultrasounds with a subscription to OBG First. Head on over to our website, www.creagsovercoffee.com. Check out the sidebar and find out how you can get OBG First for free with the second trimester ultrasound atlas, as well as email or text summaries to your phone with the latest clinical guidelines, summaries, and research, all for free if you're a chief resident. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. Coffee. Today, we will be talking about part two of adnexal masses, and specifically, we'll be talking about epithelial neoplasms. Um, again, learning objectives from last time, we already talked about the different types of findings on imaging as well as initial management. So today, we're going to talk about the differences between benign and malignant tumors of epithelial origin from the ovary, fallopian tube, or the peritoneum. So Nick, let's get started. First of all, what is an epithelial neoplasm. It's pretty close to what it sounds like. This is the most common histologic type of cancer, the ovary, fallopian tube, or peritoneum. 90% of all cancers at these sites are epithelial neoplasms. Again, they arise from the epithelium, just like the name implies. So in terms of types, we can kind of split them into three broad categories. There are benign neoplasms, borderline neoplasms, and malignant neoplasms. So, Faye, let's start with the benign stuff. Absolutely. So, in terms of benign neoplasms, there's two large categories. And you're going to kind of hear us talk about these two things over and over again. So, there's going to be serous and mucinous. And when they're benign, you call them cyst adenoma. So, serous cyst adenoma, mucinous cyst adenoma. Now, serous cyst adenomas are actually the most common benign ovarian neoplasms, not just epithelial neoplasms, but overall, and they comprise of up to 20 to 25% of all ovarian growths, and usually they're sized between 5 to 20 centimeters. They're benign, so um, that means that you can continue to follow them with imaging. However, if they become persistently symptomatic due to size, then you can have them surgically removed. Really, there's no good data regarding the decision to observe or remove if they are asymptomatic, but the decision to operate may be guided by the patient's age, size of the mass, ultrasound appearance, family history, or other risk factors for ovarian cancer, and of course, their medical comorbidities. So is your patient able to have a big surgery to remove potentially a 20-centimeter mass? Now, mucinous cyst adenomas are different from serous adenomas in the sense that they are less common and make up less than 5% of all ovarian neoplasms. The lining of a mucinous cyst adenoma is similar to the viscera or gastric lining, and they can actually contain mucin, which is made by those cells along that lining. Treatment, however, is similar to above. Because they are benign, you don't necessarily have to operate on them. However, if they become persistently symptomatic, you can consider surgery and all the other things that we discussed um, on whether or not to operate. So let's take a step up from benign neoplasms and talk about borderline um, neoplasms. Yeah, so borderline, as the name 
might suggest is borderline with respect to its malignant potential. So it's hard to really say what happens with these, and guidance is kind of tough with respect to how to treat them. But again, we'll focus on that in a future episode. Again, we're going to break this down into the three categories of borderline ovarian epithelial neoplasms. Again, serous, mucinous, and now we also have endometrioid. Serous borderline neoplasms are the most common subtype of borderline tumors and accounts for 65% of all the borderline ovarian neoplasms. These are usually confined to the ovary and are slow growing. The 10-year survival rate for serous borderline neoplasms is 95 to 100%, though late recurrences are not uncommon. Prognosis is still excellent, though, even in the presence of peritoneal implants and regional lymph node involvement. Histology shows a serous epithelial proliferation with more complex architectural patterns than a serous cystadenoma and can have areas of microinvasion or areas of cells that are less than 5 millimeters invading into the stromal core of papilla or cyst wall. And if it's greater than 5 millimeters, that should actually be classified as a low-grade serous carcinoma rather than a borderline tumor. In fact, serous borderline neoplasms have a similar immunophenotype and molecular biology to a low-grade serous carcinoma and may suggest even that low-grade serous carcinomas can arise from borderline neoplasms. Ultimately, the treatment for these serous borderline neoplasms is going to be surgery. The next type is the mucinous borderline neoplasm, and the mucinous borderline neoplasm is nearly always confined to the ovary, unlike the serous borderline neoplasms. Usually they will appear very large unilateral, and they'll be multilocular in terms of being a cyst with smooth white capsules. And most of the time patients will be symptomatic because of how big these neoplasms can get. The epithelial lining generally consists of two types. So there is a gastrointestinal type and endocervical or seromucinous type. Approximately 10 to 20% will exhibit that microinvasion. Again, that's area of cells less than 5 millimeters that are invading into the stromal core. And treatment ultimately is going to be surgery. Our last category again are endometrioid borderline neoplasms. And these have a biologic potential that lies somewhere between cystadenomas and adenofibromas and an invasive endometrioid adenocarcinoma of the ovary. These are pretty uncommon neoplasms. They represent only 2 to 10% of the borderline category. And generally in terms of gross appearance, they're firm tumors with a smooth surface and multiple small cysts with clearer hemorrhagic fluid within. Histologically, these have an adenofibromatous pattern with a nodular architecture, but are more proliferative. And they actually have an appearance that's really similar on histology to endometrial intraepithelial neoplasms, or EIN. And actually, because these are so similar in their appearance, the same pathologic criteria are used to differentiate endometrioid borderline neoplasms of the ovary from invasive endometrioid ovarian tumors as there is between EIN and endometrial carcinoma of the endometrium. So it's kind of cool that in the same place you can use the same pathologic criteria. That's not something that I ever would have thought of. Microinvasion can also be seen with these tumors, and again, the treatment is surgery. And we move on to our final category, which is carcinomas. And again, we're going to talk about staging and treatment in another episode. So here we're just going to talk to you about the different types of cancer that we can see from the epithelial region of the ovary. So we divide these into five categories. There's high-grade serous carcinoma, low-grade serous carcinoma, endometrioid carcinoma, 
clear cell carcinoma, and mucinous carcinoma. In terms of high-grade serous carcinoma, this is actually the majority of your epithelial carcinomas, about 70 to 80%. It's actually the most common type of ovarian cancer overall, and the peak age range is between 45 to 65 years in women and is usually, unfortunately, diagnosed at an advanced stage. Histologically, high-grade serous carcinoma is going to infiltrate, it's going to destroy and replace any of the ovarian tissue. And also BRCA1 or BRCA2 germline mutations are found in up to 10% of women with high-grade serous carcinoma. Women with these mutations are going to have a 30 to 50% risk of developing ovarian carcinoma by the age of 70. And again, we'll talk about staging and treatment in another episode. Low-grade serous carcinomas are another category of serous cancers, but these are relatively uncommon, actually. They represent less than 5% of the carcinomas. These are also, though, typically diagnosed at an advanced stage, and therefore long-term prognosis is unfortunately poor. They're slow-growing, indolent tumors that also have a relative insensitivity to platinum-based chemo. They can be found alongside non-invasive serous borderline tumors, as we described before, The difference between low-grade and high-grade serous carcinomas is determined by cytologic features. Low-grade carcinomas usually have more uniform nuclei, lower mitotic activity, and also have the presence of numerous somoma bodies. Next, we'll talk about endometrioid carcinomas, which make up about 10% of epithelial um, malignant neoplasms of the ovary. Unlike serous carcinoma, it's usually identified at a pretty early stage, and therefore patients actually have a better prognosis. It tends to be relatively chemosensitive as well. And the interesting thing is that endometrioid carcinoma on the ovary is thought to arise from endometriosis and is actually associated with carcinoma of the endometrium in 15 to 20% of cases. Histologically, just like how we talked about endometrioid borderline tumors, they tend to resemble the uterine counterpart. Another category are clear cell carcinomas, which represent about 10% of epithelial malignancies. These are present most commonly in perimenopausal women in their 40s or 50s, and this often presents at an early stage and thus has a relatively good prognosis. There's really not often when these have distant metastases. However, if it is present at an advanced stage, it has a much worse prognosis than serous or endometrioid carcinomas because this type really is not as sensitive to platinum-based chemotherapy. The other interesting thing about clear cell carcinomas is that we often see this arising from endometriosis and there's a possible link between the two. The last carcinoma we'll talk about is mucinous carcinoma, which makes up about 3% of epithelial malignancies. Nearly all of mucinous carcinomas will present in early stages, um, usually even stage one, where it's only seen on one ovary. And this is because it's often seen with the borderline neoplasm. If you remember back to mucinous borderline tumors, they tend to present um, with symptoms because of how big they can get. Usually upon discovery, they are between the size of 8 to 20 centimeters, but can be even larger. Mucinous carcinomas tend to be cystic or solid. They tend to be unilateral and confined to the ovary. And there's actually two patterns of invasion that are seen with mucinous carcinomas, infiltrative invasion and expansile growth pattern. So the infiltrative invasion has obvious destructive stromal invasion, just like how we expect carcinomas to be. And this type of pattern is is linked with worse prognosis. However, the expansile growth pattern um, type of invasion with mucinous carcinomas actually does not demonstrate obvious stromal invasion, but has complex architecture and really is what it sounds like. It tends to grow very large, and therefore this has better prognosis. 
All right, Faye, that was a lot of information for today. I think we should stop there and try and sum it up. Definitely. And of course, next time we'll be talking about germ cell tumors and sex cord stromal tumors. So there are more to come. But let's go ahead and start off with our benign epithelial neoplasms. We talked about serous cyst adenomas and mucinous cyst adenomas. We then talked about the borderline tumors. Again, there's serous borderline neoplasms, which are the most common, mucinous borderline neoplasms, and endometrioid borderline neoplasms. We then talked about all of the carcinomas, um, and all of the carcinomas will have treatment and staging that we will talk about in another episode. However, the five that we talked about are high-grade serous carcinoma, low-grade serous carcinoma, endometrioid carcinoma, clear cell carcinoma, and mucinous carcinoma. All right, so once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and go on to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and give us a five-star rating or review. Find us online, Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee number one, on Facebook at Creogs Over Coffee, Instagram at Creogs Over Coffee, or on Patreon where you can get a shout-out, some swag, or some exclusive content. Head on over to patreon.com slash coffee and sponsor us. Can't keep all of these adnexal masses straight? Don't worry, we're going to give you a very helpful guide on our website, www.creogsovercoffee.com. Need to set us straight about something that we missed on the show or have an idea for a future episode? Email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>